Thank you, praise team, and thank you, Dave, for picking up that pen. Wow, I tell you what, there's some really helpful people around here. You know that? Just so great. I mean, it's wonderful. They just, uh, matter of fact, I think I'm going to get my shoulder replaced next week so y'all can take care of me for that too, right? No, no, no we, won't, we won't do that. But, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting. Uh, when you go through life, you meet all kinds of different kinds of people that have different things on their heart and mind, and they have different things that they love. I don't know how many of you have uh, ever heard of the, the uh, uh, Charles Dickinson, A Christmas Carol. Has anybody heard of that? Probably most of you have. And there's a character in there called Scrooge. And Scrooge is a guy that he, he counts every half cent, so to speak. He is so stingy, and he's got an employee that, that is just working his heart out, but he makes hardly nothing. And Scrooge is so stingy with everything. And somehow he thinks his life is going to be better because he's hoarding wealth. Maybe you're not familiar with that, but probably a lot of us are. But maybe you're familiar with uh, the Krusty Krab. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? The Krusty Krab. The Krusty Krab, the, the Krab was a burger or a, a Crab Shack or whatever you call that in, a, in, a, in the SpongeBob cartoon. And uh, they're the owner of the Krusty Krab, what was his name? Mr. what? Mr. Crab. And Mr. Crab was just like Scrooge, stingy, and he wanted to hold on to everything, and everything was about dollars and cents. And you know, as I've gone through life, I've met some people like that, that everything is about calculating down to the last cent and amassing all that they can for their own personal benefit and wealth. And you know, I've found that those people that are so stingy and hoard wealth are really not very happy. They are beset by all kinds of fears, and they are oftentimes, they, they misunderstand the nature of generosity and the blessing of being generous. And so this morning, I want to share with you from God's Word from Luke chapter 14 about the action of generosity. And I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and go to, to Luke chapter 14. While you're turning in there, let me just say we've been in this series of messages that had to do with stewardship and our obligation, our responsibility as believers to be generous toward the things of God. And we've talked about that, how important it is for all of us as Christians, we have an obligation and a purpose to see the kingdom of God grow. And that means that not only do we give of our time and our talents, but it also means we give of our treasure. And we've been talking about that. And so this morning, I want to finish up this series. And hallelujah, I know some of you were saying, I wish he quit talking about money. Well, guess what? <laughs> One more message that focuses on money, and that's this morning. And I want you to think about this, not so much in giving to the church, but I have to admit that giving to the church is an obligation that God has for us as believers. But I want you to think about giving to those who are in desperate need and the blessing that comes your way when you choose to have a generous heart and an open hand. Let's stand together. Let's read God's Word together in Luke chapter 14 beginning with verse number 12. Now, Jesus is at, a, is at a, 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 a banquet that's been giving, and uh, he's been invited to come and eat, and uh, he's there with a bunch of Pharisees, and 
a lot of other folks, and it's one of those things where, you know, special guests get invited, and it's nice to get that special invitation, isn't it? But in this particular setting, Jesus now has something to teach us about being generous. And so we find in verse number 12 that after he's talked to this the people that are seating nearby about the fact that when you're invited to some place, you don't want to take the seat of honor. You want to go to a, a lower place in case somebody who comes in who's got more honor than you and then you get embarrassed and have to go sit somewhere else. It's about being humble, of course, and about giving others preference and that sort of thing. But now he moves on to a different topic that this man, that these Pharisees, that these people, that we need to hear. In verse number 12, he also said to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Now look up here for just a moment. Jesus is not telling us that we should not have those times when we invite friends and family and neighbors. He's making a point here for us about giving to those who cannot repay us. And so he says this. He says, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Help us to understand what it means, Lord, as your people to be generous, to be caring, to be loving, to be concerned about those who are in desperate situations. Father, I pray today that you would open up our hearts and help us to learn how to be a, a generous people in a, a culture and society that tells us that we should not be generous, but that we should hoard, that we should go out of our way to just take care of ourselves and our families and not look to the needs of others. Father, help us to learn to be like you, who is merciful, who has good news for the poor who gives generously to all. And Lord, we ask you to guide and direct us now in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning I want to talk to you about the subject of being generous. And by the way, as we talk about this, we'll, you know, there's, there's a good chance that as we talk about being generous, there will be some who hear this message or some that, are, that, that will look, read these scriptures and automatically there will be a sense of resistance that pops up in the heart. Let me encourage you as a Christian, and I believe that most of the people that are participating in this worship service, if not all of them, are already Christians. And sometimes we fail to notice the stronghold of, of, uh, of not being generous, of being, um, of being covetousness in our lives, of being stingy and miserly. And because of that, we miss the great blessing that God often has for those who are generous. I want to share with you this morning that if you dare to share 
The reality is you cannot go wrong by being generous. God automatically will bless you if you're generous and you're, and you're, you're open-handed to those who have legitimate need. And in this particular setting of Scripture, what we find is that Jesus was teaching these, this host and those who were gathered together in this banquet that if they were to realize the blessing of God, they needed to be generous to those in legitimate need. Now, the first thing I want you to see about the act of generosity is, number one, it is an act of mercy that refreshes the needy. That's, that's the first point in this slide, if you'll go to that, please. And, and what I would like for you to see is in this passage of Scripture, notice in verse number uh, 13, he says, When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. See, sometimes we get confused. If you're like me, sometimes you might run up and you might see somebody maybe that's, that's uh, parked themselves at an intersection somewhere and they've got a sign out that says, need help, need a place to stay, and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm without money, I, I need food or whatever, and they've got a little doggy with them, you know. And if you're like me, when you see that, if you're, if you're like me, when you see that, you have this question mark is this person really in need? Or is this person someone who has decided they just don't want to work and earn their living? And by the way, that's a good question for you to ask. Because the Bible is very plain about that. If a man will not work, he will not eat. The Apostle Paul made that very clear to the church at Thessalonica. So when Jesus tells us that we ought to, that we ought to invite those uh, that, that we ought to invite those to come to this, you know, to, to, to come to this place and this, this, this act of, of mercy and, and have this banquet for those that cannot repay us. He is talking about those who are legitimately in need. Not the lazy who won't work. Not the busybody gossip that has no time for work. All they have the time for is the social media and the gallivanting around from household to household, so to speak. And by the way, <laughs> that's so easy to happen these days. You get so wrapped up in things. And by the way, sometimes people legitimately are unable to work. And they have legitimate needs. And, and, and the, the first truth that I want you to understand here is that when we generously give to those who have a legitimate real need it is an act of mercy that refreshes the destitute or the needy it brings relief to these people it is an act of kindness it is an act that is designed to demonstrate a love that does not come from the world, but a love that comes from God. It, it is the moment of, uh, it, it's a, I mean, imagine for yourself, you've, you've been, it's been a long day and you're, 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 you're parched, your, your throat is parched, or you're hungry, and you, you don't have anything to eat. I don't know how many of you uh, can think back to a time when you didn't have anything to eat or anything to drink. I remember when I first went off to college, um, I remember times when I, I, I was so hungry, I'd go look in the pantry for something to eat, and I didn't have anything in there, so I had to drink water at night to go to bed because my stomach was growling. 
Now, I, I wasn't starving, okay? But I, I probably spent too much money one week and didn't have enough for the next week. But the reality is, and by the way, the reality is that there, there's just something that is so pitiful about people who really don't have. And they're in desperate need. And I remember uh, sometime back, we were, I was hiking with my buddy on the Appalachian Trail, and uh, we had come to a, we, we'd, we'd camped at a place the night before that it was, it, was, uh, it was what we call dry camp. It's a place where there was no water. And so we pulled in late, we got all set up, but there was no water where we were camping, so we had to be very careful about what we drank. And, and, you know, we, we couldn't drink a whole lot. We couldn't use a whole lot of water for anything. So we, we didn't get a chance to drink or eat that much that night. And so the next morning when we packed up and we headed off, we were going down the trail and, and we were coming to a trailhead. And I just remember being so thirsty and so hungry at that moment. And when I looked at the trailhead, when we came to the trailhead, I looked over there and there was a basket of fresh fruit. And there was a cooler that had, that had ice in it and it had sodas in it. And, and I just remember that moment when I walked over and I grabbed that apple and I took that juicy bite of that apple and it was sweet and it was refreshing to my mouth. I mean, the, 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 the parched mouth and tongue, all of a sudden it became alive with flavor and juice. And I grabbed that soda and I sucked it down and man, there was a boost of energy. And, and listen, it's like that when, when we act with generosity toward those that have legitimate needs, it refreshes them. It, it's a wonderful thing. You know, for some of us, we may not realize the, uh, I, I guess, the, the impact that something so simple like providing a meal can be. But Jesus said, listen, when you have a banquet, I want you to invite those that cannot repay you. And you'll be blessed. Uh, you know, God, God has got his eye on us. And, and the Bible is very clear that when we act with generosity, we are refreshing those in need. There's a second thing I want you to see about this passage of Scripture, and that is that when we act in this manner, it's an act not only of, uh, of, uh, of mercy, but it's an act of fidelity that rewards the disciple. Not only does it refresh the truly needy, but it rewards the disciple of Jesus Christ. It, it is fidelity that rewards Notice what it says in this passage. If you look at verse number, uh, number 14 of Luke chapter 14, it says, if you do this, it says, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now here is the promise of a reward in heaven when we live with open hands and generous hearts. Again, the world gets it so wrong because they think that he who dies with the most toys wins. That's really not true. The one who wins is he who learns how to follow in obedience to the Lord and bless those that cannot bless them. And the promise is that they will be blessed in verse 14. 
that they will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You know, as we look at this passage, uh, I want to just just make it plain to you today that, that sometimes God blesses us in ways in this world that, that don't, don't directly, that can't be directly attributed to our giving of money, but he blesses us in a lot of different ways. But the one thing I know for sure is that when we act with generosity, God, it, God takes note of that, and there's a reward for us in glory on the day of the resurrection. Notice what he says here. This blessing occurs in the future at the resurrection. This speaks of the time when the dead are raised. The righteous dead are raised and they're raised to a reward. And notice that God specifically blesses those who give to those who cannot repay them. Now the Lord, uh, the Lord said these words in Mark chapter 10. Take your Bible and go to Mark chapter 10 just a moment because this is the passage of the rich young ruler and he's... Uh, He's a wonderful young man who loves God, and no doubt he has been faithful to the Lord for all, uh, many, many parts of his life, but he has a problem in his life. There's one thing that's holding him back, and Jesus identifies that in Mark chapter 10. He asked the Lord, what must he do? And Jesus tells him about the commandments, and he says, I've done this, and I've kept all these commandments. And then Jesus says to him in Mark 10, verse 20. Well, verse 20, the young rich young ruler says, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. In other words, he'd done all the things that God had called him to do. In verse 21, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. You may not have treasure in the bank right now, but the good news is when you give to those who are legitimately in need, you are setting yourself up with a blessing and treasure in glory. It's a treasure that will never be lost. It's a treasure that will never fade with time. It's a treasure that cannot be stolen by thieves. It's a treasure that cannot be corrupted by moth or by rust. It's a treasure that is kept in heaven for you because you <laughs> were willing to be generous to those in need. I've got to tell you something. It's such an easy thing, but it's, so, it's such the antithesis of our world today because the world tells us that we ought to amass and keep for ourselves while God says, you're my child, I want you to learn to give. And when you learn to give, there's a reward that's coming your way. Notice the scripture also says that there's a, 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 there's a reward in glory and there's a promise of God's blessing on your life. But there's also a temporal blessing. And, and though it's not specifically mentioned in this passage, I want you to see that the Bible also teaches that when you're generous now, you'll be rewarded now. Look what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. Proverbs 11, verse 25 says this, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be 
watered. This is the promise that when we give to others, when we're generous with what we have on behalf of others who do not have, there's the promise that God will refresh us as well. God blesses them through us, and then God blesses us right now. I love this. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 1, Ecclesiastes 11, 1, it says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. In other words, if you're the kind of person that is willing to disperse blessings out, they will return and come back to you in time. It's very akin to what the Scripture says, that as a man sows, that will he also reap. As a matter of fact, we reap after we sow, remember that, and we always reap, the law of the harvest is we always reap more than we sow. But I love this passage. Take a look at this passage in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, if you'll please turn to that passage. Luke chapter 6. In verse 38 of that passage, Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, Jesus encourages us to be generous. And when we walk in acts of generosity, it is an act of faithfulness and fidelity to the commandment and the obedience of our Lord, and it always rewards the disciple. It always blesses. And you know, it's, it's such an easy thing to do when you think about it. Um, I, I, I tell you, this passage of Scripture, this, this whole passage of Scripture, it's a challenge for us because, you know, as I think about it, um, I'll just be honest with you. You know, sometimes I, I think to myself, well, if I, I, if I give, you know, this away, we'll will I have enough to make it to the end of this week? Or, or if, I, if I feel like I'm led to do this for this person, um, you know, is, is it, am I going to have to do without? You know, I've got to remind you of a couple things. Number one, God is our supply. He's our supply. And this is why he taught us not to, not to worry about our lives, not to, not to worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to drink or what we're going to wear. He, he taught us about the fact that, that, uh, that, 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 that you know, the, God takes care of the birds. And they neither sow nor reap, but, but God takes care of the birds. And as the birds do what they're supposed to do as birds, as they fly around and as they go out and look for seed or as they go out and look for worms. And by the way, anybody here ever ate a worm? <laughs> no, I haven't either. Uh, except for gummy worms. I did eat gummy worms. I don't think that would taste very good. But anyway, um, you know, the bird doesn't work, but God provides. 
And Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Listen, he said, the, 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 the flowers of the field, they're more beautiful than, than the garments of Solomon, and God clothes them. God, Jesus says, don't worry about these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. I don't need to worry. I need to be a good steward of what God's given me. And if certainly if I have a, a family, I need to take care of my family. I mean, that's, you know, a priority. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you won't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. And so that's another reason for us to be good stewards of what God has given to us so that we can be sure that, uh, you know, that we're providing for the legitimate needs that we have. But I think there might be another reason also why sometimes we might hesitate to give. And, and, and I think one reason for that is kind of, uh, it, it's, it's kind of that we, we sometimes we don't realize sometimes the grip or the hold that things actually have on us. Sometimes we're unwilling to share because we've misunderstood where true life and contentment comes from. True life and contentment does not come in the abundance of possessions. And this brings me to the third point because the reality is that when we act with generosity, not only are we refreshing those that have great need, uh, but we're also putting ourselves in a position to be rewarded, but we're also acting as an act of faith and trust that is a part of the process of refining us and helping us be more Christ-like. Maybe we can go to the next slide if we can. Because when we give, we're acting with the trust and the belief that God will meet our needs, that we can take God at His Word, and we will know that God truly is our supply. And what happens is God blesses us. He liberates us from idolatry and greed. People misunderstand what, uh, how satisfaction comes in life. And, and by the way, uh, everybody has a different size bucket, bucket, if you will, like we talked about last week. You know, some people have a bigger bucket because they have more resources. Some people have a smaller bucket. But what is common in a temptation to those that have a real big bucket and have a lot of money, and by the way, let me just say, it is a blessing to have a lot of money, but it's also a great test. And Jesus warns us about that. But when we think about this, one reason why some people struggle with learning how to be generous is because somehow they think that the more money or the more stuff that they have, the happier they will be. Jesus made this statement in John 10.10. 10. He said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And then in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, listen to these words. Luke 12, verse 15. Take, I tell you what, go to your, go to your Bible, Luke 12, uh, verse 15. I want you to read this. Luke 12, 
In Luke 12, verse number 15, he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, I know some very wealthy people. And in some ways, their life is easier. But if they were to be honest, they would say that fulfillment in life does not really come because my bank account is really big. There's more to life than things. And, and you know, the danger is that, that wealth, is, it, wealth can be very deceitful because wealth itself can become a, an impediment to our growth as Christians. As a matter of fact, Jesus points this out in Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, it says, Jesus warns us about the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. They, they come into our lives and they choke out the fruitfulness of our walk with the Lord. And we have to be careful about that. Because it, and it's not that there's anything inherently wrong with things, you know. I mean, God gives us all things for our enjoyment, but the problem is that if we're not careful, all of those things can become idols to us. And they can capture the affection of our heart. And it becomes an empty pursuit in the long run. And what do I mean by that? Well, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is talking to the people. And he says in Jeremiah that these people have spent their money, they've spent their resources, they've spent their energies, they, they have devoted themselves to things that do not truly satisfy. And that's exactly what happens when we devote ourselves and we put our heart in the treasure of wealth. But when we learn to let go and be generous and understand that God is generous, He begins to do a great work of grace in our hearts and He delivers us from that mindset of covetousness and greed. He gets rid of Mr. Krusty Krab, so to speak. And he gets rid of Scrooge, and Scrooge turns into a great giver. And, and, and I don't know if, if, if uh, Mr. Crabb will ever get better, but who knows. Listen to me. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Take your Bible, if you will, and go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 just a moment. This is an important passage. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 6. He says this. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves 
with many pangs. You know, the reality is that wealth in and of itself is, is not a bad thing. It's a great thing if we can steward it in the right way. And Jesus makes it very plain that one of the ways that we are good stewards of what God has gifted us with is that we learn to have concern and care for the truly helpless in society. Again, we have to be discerning about this, and, and I'm probably just like you. I mean, we have people that come in here to the church all the time, and they're asking for money, and they want this, and they want that, and, and it's always a balancing act for those of us that are in the office at that time trying to figure out, is this person really legitimately in need? Or are they just going around making the rounds to try and get more and more and more? And it's hard to figure that out sometimes, honestly. But the one thing I know for sure is that when you give your resources to the church, that you want us to use that in a, a wise way. And so we try to discern whether or not to give that away. And, uh, and when I see somebody on the side of the road or something like that, there's always that, that question in my mind, is this, is this a person that legitimately needs help or are they just someone who doesn't, you know, doesn't want to earn their living? So there's always that question there. Now let me just share, let me just kind of divert for just a moment because I, I want you to understand this as well. Um, in Malachi chapter 3, there's a, a great verse of Scripture that helps us understand our giving to the church. And, and so if you would take your Bible, please go to Malachi chapter 3. And Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, so it's pretty easy to find. Just go to Matthew, and unless you have a Catholic Bible, the next, verse, uh, the next book you come to by going back to the beginning is the book of Malachi. But in Malachi chapter 3... He has some good instructions for us as we give. And this is kind of something that uh, was brought to my attention last week after I preached that sermon on giving and, and what the tithes and offerings are all about. And so I want to address this this morning. Notice in Malachi chapter 3, uh, he, he, now in this passage, he's talking about the fact that the people have not been faithful and therefore they've robbed God is what it says. In verse number 10 of Malachi 3, here's what he says. He says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Now, when I think about this and I think about our giving to the church, I understand that God, and my way of understanding this, is that God has called me to give offerings to the church that's a tithe, at least a tithe for me. And, uh, and as I give to that, I don't designate that. I just give it to the church because, after all, the church has made decisions about how we're going to reach the world for Christ, how we're going to disciple our children, how we're going to transform our community, how we're going to do the things that we do here so that we can do the great work overseas or right in our community. We have a budget that we put together that you put together as members. And so we ask our folks to give and bring the tithe to the storehouse. And then we think about the designated offerings and understand that the designated offerings then are those things that come into the life of the church. They may come through the church. They may not come through the church. It may be to some other cause. But that is a gift that is above the tithe. 
We bring the tithe to the storehouse, and then we have designated offerings that go to particular particular things of ministry, and that's above the tithe. And the reason for that is because, as God indicates to Malachi here, through Malachi, that the the tithe into the storehouse was what took care of the things that were going on in the temple for the people of God, the sacrifices, and all of that. And so I wanted to kind of clarify that for you this morning. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love designated giving, but designated giving is a, is a gift that it's great. At the same time, though, it's, it's pigeonholed to one thing. And it may not, you know, it, 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 the bottom line is that we have to be careful about how we, how we handle that. So if you have questions, come and ask me about that. But again, God has encouraged us to be generous to the needy around us. And as we give like that, God sets us free from idolatry and covetousness. And he refines us in that way. And he helps us put our heart where our treasure is and our treasure then is in the Lord. Let me just kind of wrap up this message this morning by, well, let, let me give you a couple more verses to just to jot down if you would, and maybe we can get them on the screen there. Uh, we had them on the screen uh, uh, earlier, but if we can get this verse up there, how about Proverbs eleven twenty eight? Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Look what it says in Proverbs eleven twenty eight. It says, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. There's a, a warning that if we are looking to riches to protect us, it's no good. Because riches are fleeting, but if we walk with the Lord, the righteous flourish like a green leaf. The scripture tells us that we should put to death those things that are part of the carnal nature. Those things that are part of the old man, and one of those things is the, 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 the tendency to, to covet and to have greed in our lives. And so for believers, in order for us to realize the blessing of God, we have to learn the blessing of being generous. This past, uh, just yesterday, uh, this was brought home to me so real. Again, once again, I had a funeral to do yesterday. And you know, as we were having that funeral service, there was such a profound testimony of those who were present that their loved one who had passed on was such a hero in their lives. Not because she had amassed great wealth. Not because she knew how to uh, how to, 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 to gain a financial advantage, but she was a hero in their lives because she gave so much to them. I'm convinced that the longer I live, the more I realize that, that you'll be remembered not because of the things you had, not because of your uh, incredible wit, not because of your, um, your great beauty, because I got news for you, unfortunately, for all of us. Beauty is fading, okay? But you'll be loved and appreciated because of your love for others. 
the relationships that we have with each other will be remembered for all eternity. And what brings tears to the eyes of loved ones and what brings, well, at least one thing that brings tears to them uh, is the, the great acts of generosity and love that their loved one provides for them. You know, I wish I could wrap this up in a beautiful present and put a nice bow on it and make it as plain as day and get everybody to open it up, but there's still some people that still have not discovered the joy of being generous. But when you learn to be generous, you not only reap a reward from God, you also reap the blessing of a heart that is free from the old life, and you provide new life and refreshment to those that you bless. So I want to encourage you to think about that and make that part of your life as a believer. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, pray. Our praise team is going to come up here and lead us in a time of worship. And as they're coming, I want to just say that, you know, this all begins with the, with the, the, the point of receiving Christ as one Savior. And when you receive Him, there's the promise that He's going to provide for you. But not only that, there's the promise that He's going to bless you in all eternity. And if you've not received Christ, then, you know, you need to come to faith in Christ. And the second thing I want to share with you, if you've not realized the blessing of being generous and giving to those in need, I want to challenge you this week to think about somebody that doesn't have. And I want you to think about what God might have blessed you with that could be a blessing to them. I want you to think about the joy that you can bring in their heart. I want you to think about the freedom and the joy that you'll experience in your own life. And I want you to think about the fact that He freely gave to us. We need to learn how to freely give to others. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. Lord God, help us to be a people who don't turn a deaf ear to the cries of those in need. And Lord God, help us to be a people who realize the joy of being generous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about First Baptist Church of Wildwood and our ministries, you can go to our website, fbcwildwood.org, our Facebook page, First Baptist Church of Wildwood, or our Instagram page, FB Wildwood. Have a great Jesus-filled day.